Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 40, on page 891, and finishing on 892. Beginning with question 105, let's read this responsively. What is God's will for you in the sixth commandment? I am not to belittle, hate, insult, or kill my neighbor, not by my thoughts, my words, my look, or gesture, and certainly not by actual deeds. And I am not to be party to this in others. Rather, I am to put away all desire for revenge. I am not to harm or recklessly endanger myself either. Prevention of murder is also why government is armed with the sword. Does this commandment refer only to murder? By forbidding murder, God teaches us that he hates the root of murder. Envy, hatred, anger, vengefulness, in God's sight, all such are disguised forms of murder. In question 107. Is it enough then that we do not murder our neighbor in any such way? No. By condemning envy, hatred, and anger, God wants us to love our neighbors as ourselves, to be patient, peace-loving, gentle, merciful, and friendly toward them, to protect them from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. Amen. That's the summary from Scripture. Let's go to the Lord now and ask for the Spirit's help. Our Heavenly Father, we ask you to look upon us in grace as we look away from ourselves into the face of your Son, whom you have appointed our mediator and Savior. As all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in your Son, guide us by your Holy Spirit into the true understanding of the doctrines of Christ. May our meditation upon his truth produce in us the fruit of righteousness to the glory and exaltation of his name, the instruction and building up of this congregation, and the salvation of the lost through our witness about Christ. We pray this in the name and favor of your well-beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and in dependence on his Holy Spirit. Amen. The sixth commandment is very simply, you shall not murder. Once we've got through all the longer, larger commandments that we find, especially in commandments one, two, and four, there's a whole bunch of extra words. Now we really start moving. And commandment six comes and it's very simple. You shall not murder. But immediately we have to make a distinction. There is a difference between murder and killing. Murder and killing are distinct concepts and distinct words. There's overlap, of course, but they're not exactly the same thing. There are two different words that we find in the Old Testament. The commandment itself, as we find it in Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, forbids murder, specifically. Murder is that killing which goes against God's law because it is opposed to the protection of life. 
and because it is usually tied to personal vengeance, which is ungodly and unrighteous. That is distinct from a more general word for killing, which in the Old Testament is a different word altogether. Again, there is overlap. Sometimes they're used in a similar or the same way. But murder is a particular type of killing, and it is unrighteous in God's sight and condemnable in God's sight. Killing may or may not be just. Murder is always unjust. And that's what's forbidden in the sixth commandment. So listen here to Exodus chapter 21, verse 12. It gives us this distinction in one little sentence. It says, whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. Now, if all killing, no matter what, is always unjust, then that command makes no sense. Because it says, whoever strikes a man so that he dies, that would be murder, shall be put to death. That is lawful killing. It's a just punishment of somebody who has committed the unjust act of murder. That very helpful verse is Exodus chapter 21, verse 12. One chapter after we find the Ten Commandments themselves. So we have to recognize this distinction here. Killing is kind of a broader concept. It's a different word used in Hebrew in the Old Testament. But murder is always unjust and ungodly in the sight of God because it goes against the protection of life. So we have to see that difference. The commandment today is focusing on that first one, murder. And as we see the commandment applied in various situations between the Old and the New Testaments, we're going to learn tonight, first, where murder begins, which is with anger and hatred, inward things. We're going to learn what the opposite of murder is. And then we're going to learn what to do with anger so that it doesn't lead to murder, but rather to the love of our neighbor and love for God. So first, where murder begins. In the Bible, in terms of the storyline of the Bible, murder again begins almost at the very beginning. Genesis 3, sin enters the world, and by Genesis 4, the first murder has occurred. Cain killed his brother Abel. As the New Testament looks back on that tragedy... 1 John chapter 3, which we read earlier together, interprets it for us. 1 John chapter 3 verse 12 asks, And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. And then verse 12 says, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Very strong words. Murder begins... Within, It begins with hatred and anger. And in the sight of God, it is murder. Now, we, we affirm, we totally affirm that there are degrees of sin. It is worse and more heinous in the eyes of man and God to actually kill and murder your neighbor. So our catechism makes that distinction. It talks about you shouldn't... Hate your neighbor with your gestures and your words and your looks, and certainly not by actual deeds. See, there's degrees of sin that we're dealing with here. It is worse to actually carry out murder. But murder begins within. 
It's already acting before it reaches that extreme end. John says everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. The Catechism teaches there in question and answer 106 that God hates the root of murder. And then it lists out for us envy, hatred, anger, and vengefulness. In God's sight, all such are disguised forms of anger. You can put a costume on it, you can put a mask on it, but at the end of the day, it is still murder. They're disguised, and they're able to be disguised because they begin within. But if they're not dealt with, they will take on a more fuller outside expression in degrees, the most extreme of which being the actual act of murder itself. For Cain, the progression was something like this, as we're putting together the storyline there in 1 John chapter 3. Hatred in his heart for God and his neighbor, which led to envy of his brother, because God was actually uh, looking to and accepting Abel's sacrifice and not his own, not Cain's. And finally, the actual murder itself. Hatred, envy, murder. And so, step by step, Cain was led down that path. But it began in the heart. In fact, I think by the time we open up Genesis chapter 4 and learn about Cain at all, he's already guilty of murder because it was already in the heart. We just happen to see it take its extreme form at the end of that tragic road. Jesus himself describes a similar path. Matthew chapter 5, verse 22. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus shows how the root of murder begins on a low simmer until the heat increases and boils over. And so there's not only degrees of expression for anger, murder, there's also degrees of punishment that are proportionate to the actions that anger is taking. So from anger on the inside, Jesus speaks. He says, if you're angry with your brother, you're already liable to judgment. From anger on the inside, eventually the hateful words outwardly expressed. And the consequences increase in turn from being punished by the religious council. He says, you, you insult your brother and you're liable to the council, of the, the religious council. It goes from that to the destruction of hell. There are degrees when it comes to this sin of murder. It begins in the heart. And step by step, if it is not dealt with and crucified, then it leads to outward expressions. That's where murder begins. It begins with the heart. Secondly, we have to also learn the opposite of murder. This is the rule of thumb with the Ten Commandments is that if the commandments tell you not to do something, then what is implied is that you ought to do something else. Pretty simple. So if you should not murder, we have to ask ourselves, what is the opposite command? The opposite command is love. You must love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to this contrast in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. 
anger and hatred. Again, we're talking about these things as the root of murder, the beginning of murder. They have a way of making conflicts worse. Really just kind of what they do. But love has the effect of settling. Love has the effect of reconciling. That's just what love does. It reconciles. It is the opposite of murder and of murderous anger and hatred. And there are two aspects of this I want us to focus on when it comes to the topic of anger and murder. The first is this. It is loving to have godly anger. It is loving to have godly anger. Psalm 4, verse 4, and Ephesians 4, chapter, uh, verse 26, both say, be angry and do not sin. A positive command to anger. But you must refrain from sinning. So there is biblical warrants, a biblical category for anger that is righteous in the eyes of God and loving towards your neighbor. This anger is a kind of agitation towards something that is wicked. So when we collectively, as the people of God, hate our sin, we are also loving our neighbor. When we hate and are angry at injustice, we are being loving towards our neighbor. In fact, growing in love for God and for your neighbor will have alongside of it growth of hatred towards sin and anger towards injustice. So with the Spirit's help, with His power, push against that slide from anger to murder by learning how to be angry at the right things and in a godly way. There's a second aspect to this, this opposite of anger being love. Love, of course, takes all kinds of positive forms. So there's a loving kind of anger, but then there's love, which is just more delightful, more wonderful, more positive, if we can speak in a general term like that. Question and answer 107 in the Catechism harvests the Bible, an amazing list of positive loving commands for us. It says to be patient, peace-loving, gentle, merciful, and friendly toward our neighbors, to protect them from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. To love those who love us is good and godly, but many other religions preach that. It is the Christian faith alone which preaches and sufficiently empowers love for our enemies. We must love our enemies. Or how can can we call ourselves Christians? We must do good even to our enemies. That is the opposite of murder. It is to do good even to those who oppose us. Now, of course, learning how to do this is not just hard, it's not just difficult, but it is impossible without the gospel. It is impossible to love in these ways, especially to protect and uphold the life of our neighbor and to love and do good even to our enemies, apart from the gospel. The only way to do good to those who are opposed to us is to embrace that Christ has loved us while we were still his enemies. And even as it happened, 
Jesus Christ, as he was led to the slaughter and nailed to the cross, even then he was doing good to his enemies, calling on the Father to forgive them because of their ignorance. That is the greatest love possible expressed in Jesus Christ. And this same love has been extended to you in the gospel. It's been extended to you. So that when the law commands you to love your enemies in addition to your neighbors and those you're already friends with and your family and your fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, you have sufficient cause and power to obey. Christ loved you not when you got your act together and when you started to act friendly toward him. He loved you when you were still his enemy. The opposite of murder and the opposite of the root of murder is love. And Christian love drinks deeply from Christ in order to love. There's no other way. We must drink deeply from this gospel message in order to begin to obey this commandment. Lastly this evening, what do we do with anger? Now that we've identified where murder begins, begins with these inward things like anger, hatred, envy, vengefulness, so forth. What do we do with those things? How do we, with such a fiery emotion, how do we begin to love God and love our neighbor? Even, I think we have to be honest about this, even righteous anger can shift into murderous anger when it isn't pointed in the right direction or when it is allowed to go on and on. Because anger is fiery. Again, even godly anger, there's something a little uh, volatile about it. Just like that, it goes in the wrong direction. Anger that is pointed in the wrong direction is ungodly. And anger that is allowed to go on and on is a grudge. So you may be angry about the right thing, but it has gone on too long and now it's a grudge. And these things are ungodly. And they are both forms of murder. So when we recognize anger, hatred, and the like, when we recognize those things are on the move inside of us, Christians, we must take steps to do something about it. We can't let them lay there because they won't just lay there. They will move. They will grow. The simmer will begin to boil. And now that we know where murder begins, my encouragement to you, brothers and sisters is that you honestly identify angry emotions when you feel them. It is easier actually to say, when we're angry, it's easier to say, no, I'm not actually angry, I'm just fill in the blank. I'm not angry, I'm upset. I'm not angry, I'm mad. I'm not angry, I'm, you, you fill in the blank. It's easier to use some kind of euphemism so that you don't have to confront your anger. And that seems godly in the moment, but it is actually dishonest. Proverbs 10 verse 18 says, the one who conceals anger has lying lips. Now, one way to take that is to say, well, if you're angry, then let it rip. (laughs) So you're not a liar. That's not what the proverb is getting at. The remedy isn't to give full vent to your anger. The remedy is to deal with it in a godly way. So if you're angry, identify it honestly. 
Don't try to cover it up. It will come out. That's what anger does. A second step in this, what to do with anger, is that once it's been identified, learn to draw a line from that feeling of anger to its cause. What has caused it? What led to it? We saw in 1 John chapter 3, this very question is raised about Cain. And and why was Cain angry? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. There was a reason for his anger. Cain may not have come to terms with it, but John the Apostle did as he interpreted what Cain was up to. There was a reason for the anger, and that anger and hatred led to murder. Brothers and sisters, we have to recognize that these emotions tend to cloud our minds and hearts. They don't tend to clarify. Maybe it clarifies some cause. You know, maybe it it clarifies something in your mind that has made you angry. But the feeling of anger and hatred tends to cloud your mind and your heart in terms of what comes next. But identifying these things honestly and asking what they're tied to is one way to clear away the fog. So we have to learn to identify not only that we are angry, but the cause of anger in order to stop it. We ask with John, why am I angry? We identify the cause. A third step is that once we've identified the cause, we stop everything. We stop ourselves. When Psalm 4, verse 4, which I quoted earlier, when it says, be angry and do not sin, it goes on to say things like this. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Put your trust in the Lord. Be angry and do not sin. What does it look like to be angry and not sin? It probably means keeping your mouth shut for a little while. Be silent, it says. Ponder. Put your trust in the Lord. What fight and conflict has ever gotten better by digging harder into it? I don't think there's any. Never been a conflict that got better and you found the solution because you went harder. Go big or go home. No, uh, feelings of anger and hostility don't get settled by continuing to feed it. It is wiser to step away if possible and to replace the angry actions with actions that point you toward God. Silence, pondering, prayer, Stopping instead of continuing on in the same actions that are fueling the anger and letting it vent. Instead of angry thoughts, ponder in your hearts. Psalm 4 is a psalm. And since we're spending a lot of time thinking about the psalms in the mornings, I commend the psalms to you because there's some anger in the psalms. And it will point your anger in the right direction because it's the Holy Spirit speaking those words on our behalf. So when you're anger, angry, pray with Deep trust in the Lord that he will provide what you need in those moments to turn your anger away from sin and to turn it toward God in love. A final step of what to do with love is serve. Begin to serve. If the opposite of murder is love for neighbor, then begin moving in that direction, in love. Anger produces an awful lot of energy. Why not use that energy to love? And to ask the Lord to take that anger and that hostility and to transform it with the Spirit's renewing grace into something that is loving for God 
and loving for your neighbor. Don't waste the energy that comes from boiling over. Transfer it. Put to death what is sinful about it and turn it toward God and toward others in love as you serve. Brothers and sisters, uh, when we begin to grasp these things in obedience to God's commandments, we ask the Lord and we say, may he equip us more and more to see the love of God even toward rebels like us, to see that Christ has loved us even when we were enemies, and may the Holy Spirit help us to cut off the roots of murder and learn better how to love. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious and merciful Father, we give you thanks for having established your covenant with believers and their children. And we ask you, having now heard your word proclaimed to us, would you continue to establish your saints in this faith throughout their lives? Give us the grace to inwardly digest the food you have given us and to instruct our children in your knowledge and fear until we all have reached complete maturity. We ask this in the great and strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen.